Hey, this is Drew here with my little sister, Ashley, best friend, Derek, and returning super, super special guest, Jamie. Welcome. Hello. Yeah, you're the only one that gets to speak at this point. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on New Release. I'm sure you're familiar, but this is a movie podcast with a little time traveling twist. Ashley, when in the world are we this week? Early April, 1977. Yeehaw. Is that good? No. <laughs> perfect. Uh, perfect Jimmy, line reading. <laughs> Jimmy Carter is president and the living is easy. Now that we're settling into a new time and place, y'all want to do a quick cost of living quiz? I'm going to ask you guys. No. Nope. I'm going <laughs> to ask you guys a few things and you're going to tell me how much you think it cost back in 1977. You ready? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's start with a bikini. <laughs> How much? How much? <laughs> How much? Seven dollars. How much are they in 2022? Four thousand dollars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say three fifty. Drew? Um, I'll say five five dollars. Nine dollars. James is the winner. <clears throat> you don't what, get um, any prize, but you won. What's the 70s bikini look like? Was was it yellow polka? A lot of fabric or minimal fabric, to... stringy. I feel Small. like that's later. Teeny weeny. Itsy bitsy, bitsy, little bikini. bikini. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll trust y'all's instincts. So, what else? What about the average cost of a new house? (laughs) $5. (laughs) What are they nowadays? $650,000 in Denver, if you're wondering. uh, 15,000? Is that too low? I wonder what the rent was on Henry's apartment. The the average income was 15,000. Okay. So, 30? Yeah. Let's say, yeah. 40, 40K. Derek? Uh, 25K. 49,300. That's oh. as much as like college tuition costs for I know. <laughs> like a yeah. fancy school. Okay. So <laughs> bikini, uh, you can, I mean, I feel like $9 for a bikini sounds high, but 50,000 for Would a Would you a whole rather house. have a house or the price equivalent of that many bikinis? I know. Nine I was trying times. to do the math. Definitely a bikini. <laughs> Just a. Uh, ton of bikinis well, as many you, as i want kept them over yeah. the years you could then resell them as vintage and they'd yeah, be worth and true more. they'd be worth more because of inflation too well and so. the house is probably worth a lot more now too well yeah just a little bit maybe yeah. <laughs> okay um i think i think that's enough we've got covered all of the most important bases on <laughs> yeah, what things cost what, what about milk <laughs> i love milk is that on there? um i don't even know if it's on there I wow. oh. Well, that's a true barometer of the times. What a no gallon cost. of milk cost. Oh, it's not even there. Four cents. I don't know. <laughs> well, you have to tip. You have to tip your milkman as well. Okay. Tip well, the cow. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. You don't have to always use money to tip, though. You know. Oh, right. High fives. Oh, wait. I think sex? That's a good... Are we talking about sex? I was talking about sex. I think Derek uh, was talking about sex. Uh, My head yeah. was, anyway. Because the milkman a... is everyone's dad at a certain point, right? The dick tip. I think it's there you go. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay. perfect segue into our um, <laughs> news segment. I'm my own boss. I pick my own hours and the money I make in a week would make your paycheck look sick. Connie Thompson <laughs> news Four. wow. And of course, related to that Looks are statistics it. that show that teenagers are having babies at a faster rate than ever before. Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. is calling the baby boom among teenagers an epidemic. Mark Morrison oh, has no. the story. This book, 11 Million Teenagers, is about the number of sexually active teenagers here in the United States. One and a half million of them are under 14 years old. 
1975, 608,000 teenage women under 19 had babies. 94% of them kept their babies. This office, Planned Parenthood, here in Seattle, keeps track of the number of children born every year. 32.7% of the people who come to this office are under 18. These. Yeah, so I don't know exactly when Planned Parenthood started, but that's. Um, it seems like this was a good time for them to start putting the, the message out that there are alternatives to just having the baby. Mm-hmm. Or have all ready. the babies when you're 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Get it all done in one go. Yeah. But the first, the first half of that clip we heard was a segment that they had preceding that one on the news that kind of paints a much darker picture of like rampant teen prostitution. Um, and they have oh, someone. Oh, is that what she was talking about? Yeah, that's why she sets her own hours and the paychecks are sick. Um, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so they, it was it was a advocate for sex workers, but um, then paired with this Planned Parenthood commercial sense, or like uh, maybe it was all being progressive. I don't know. We'd have to see the full hour long broadcast to to understand the context. But I feel like so let's the tune in. Then let's uh, let's go back to it. Leading. Yeah, yeah. We can just play that the rest mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. Um, okay, that might be that easier to easier it. to tackle than our main subject. Well, oh. um, enough. 70s nonsense let's uh let's see what's showing at the multiplex this week ashley what do you got well, for us there's a drive-in theater exclusive starring a young danny devito mm. i think i'm gonna read you the full plot though it's uh it's <laughs> okay. quite something um <clears throat> do we have time for a full plot <laughs> yeah it's a full plot of two sentences so okay cool super full um <laughs> the day he graduates high school Bobby takes ownership of a tricked out van. That's like a bachelor <laughs> pad on wheels. He's disappointed, however, to see that his best friend who has better luck with the ladies makes more use out of it than he does. He soon meets a shy girl and falls for her. But before he can win her heart, he has to win a drag race against a local bully. <laughs> what the? Okay. I mean, it's called the van. So what? Right. I've never heard about this. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, if Danny DeVito plays the guy or the, the best friend that gets all the girls or neither. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. Know. He just uh, drives the van around. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. So yeah, you haven't heard of this movie because it probably didn't uh, exist outside of the drive-in circuit. I would say that would be a, a no brainer, except we don't have a car yet. So right. <laughs> maybe once we get a car, we can go to, we can start hitting up the drive-in and see movies like the van while in a van. Um, but for now, any, any other options? Well, there's a new midnight movie playing tonight. Ooh. Newsweek calls it the most original horror movie in years. Okay. Uh, the poster any, uh-huh. <laughs> is this really insane looking guy with crazy hair. And it just says Eraserhead, mm. filmed by David Lynch in black and white. Yeah. Intrigued. This- oh yeah. This okay. is his first movie, right? It is. Yeah. And so I don't know. I love that he's already crediting himself as like a film by kind of. I know. Name. That's fun. <laughs> it's a good name, you know, Lynch. Yeah. It's evocative. Lynchian. It just rolls right off the tongue. It's practically already a, a useful label before he's even done anything. Um, so, but what a debut um, it appears to be. So let's go. Let's check it out. All right. We're 
likely going to say this a lot in this episode, but it's very visual. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. It, at least it's very oral as well. It's oral. Oral. Just stumbled yeah. out of the theater. Uh, the crowd we have each other to to lean on right now. Yeah, everyone's a little stunned. Um, people were seemed like riveted by the movie, from best I could tell, but not sure for what reasons or what kind of emotional response it was provoking. I mean, I think that's the only place we can logically start is how this movie made you feel. So, because <laughs> we don't need to describe, we'll describe. Uh, sporadic things that happen in the movie undoubtedly and we'll describe the imagery but i think if it does anything uh indisputably well it's produces a an emotional response so yeah ashley jamie who wants to who wants to share uh i'll share (laughs) (laughs) it made me really uncomfortable but i loved it oh Plot twist. This twist. is so exciting. There's yeah. the twist. You, you, yeah. This is your first time watching it. First right. time watching it. Um, I actually don't even like love all of the like the other Dave Lynch's films I've seen, which like Mahal and Drive, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I really <laughs> like this movie. I I mean that's that is shocking to some degree to hear, but that's the I think that is what's so weird and special about the movie is like you can't tell what other people are going to take away from it or what they're going to feel um on the other side of the spectrum jamie uh i was also deeply uncomfortable (laughs) and end of sentence yeah (laughs) it was a wild ride that i wanted to get off many many times did you watch the end of watching the whole thing did you leave the theater okay no i can't remember i sat there i covered my my eyes with my hands a couple of times but i persevered yeah the word you kept using um in a hushed whisper was unsettling yes it's very unsettling it's claustrophobic and uh it is visceral it makes you it digs in in ways that are weird yeah yeah (laughs) well i mean it's uh, most of his other movies uh and derek i want to hear your emotional response to uh are like contrasted between the the lightness 
kind of beautiful natural cinematography and landscapes or, or like if it's set in the northwest or like just vibrant colors and stuff in, in blue velvet the footage of hollywood and Mulholland drive it's like usually the cinematography is pretty or like um interesting to look at and this it's obviously interesting to look at but it's all dark uh the movie is low lowly lit and in black and white and there's smoke everywhere and there's a persistent score underneath everything that can't help but make you feel unsettled Mm -hmm. and i guess yeah maybe ultimately if someone comes away with it with a positive or negative reaction it's just whether you like living in that um uncomfortable unsettling space i mean like like is a subjective or a uh interesting word there just whether people watch horror movies to be uh like to be made uncomfortable to produce a strong response so but that doesn't mean everyone likes horror movies that just means (laughs) you can immediately tell whether they're effective or not because they whether they produce a response or not so um derek what was what was the response you had to this um well i embraced the grotesqueness of it all yeah. And then enjoyed the kind of moments of solace in just this dark industrial world. Uh, but I yeah. definitely wanted to jump off the or get off the train, whatever you said, James. <laughs> I wanted to get out of there. But if you can, you know, embrace that, it's it's a creepy adventure. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. It's definitely dreamlike. I mean, it starts with, uh, and I don't even know how to uh, be- begin to approach the the plot as it were, but it starts with this like dude um, in outer space, like pulling levers and the main character, Henry's like disembodied head sort of floating in space and like merging with this other planet, some very like dreamlike imagery. And then at any point in the movie, you could just kind of like say it's all a dream, but I think that would dismiss some some moments that are seem more dreamlike than others. Like when he goes in the radiator and hears mm-hmm. that lovely song that, that we heard a, a little while ago. Um, beautiful, beautiful, heavenly tones. And, and then there's other moments where you're not, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, the main plot of the movie is that, that uh, this dude, Henry has an unexpected, Oh, wow. Baby boom. Am I right? Um, <laughs> has an unexpected pregnancy with this, his new, sort of girlfriend someone he hasn't been dating very long i mean is is what the impression that we get from the little mm-hmm. exposition that we get um they maybe had already been kind of like called it quits but then he finds out he goes to dinner with her presumably she invites him to dinner with her parents to reveal this information to the him most uncomfortable dinner and oh, parent boy. meeting yeah. i've ever seen in my entire life I don't yeah know let's what just, you're talking about let's play a little <laughs> clip from the dinner scene and, and kind of uh, dive into that carve into it. Do I just, uh, just cut them up like regular chickens? Sure, just cut them up like regular chickens. <laughs> the scene is. What's it doing? all over the plate. It could be gravy. It's likely blood. It's definitely blood. <laughs> The amount of oozing proportionate to the size of the chicken is. I know. I like it when the chicken moves. Incongruous. Now. Yeah. Yeah, it moves its little legs. I wonder if it's being piped in. And the mom is just getting off. Yeah, and she's having a seizure. Is that what 
what it is? Well, the the daughter has seizures. Yeah, is the mom, are, you think the mom's just like really into it? She's getting I, I off. Took it away. Yeah. Oh, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's actually worse hearing that. Yeah. It's worse hearing it than seeing it, oh. frankly. Because yeah, that's true. That also, true. something super weird and interesting about this movie is that the soundtrack or the score or whatever you want to call it, the sound mixing, is intense. Yeah, yeah. it's it is, amazing. There's mm-hmm. like so much going on, and even in like the silent moments, oh. it's not silent, and it's just it's aggressively or like just before this when like you just hear this weird like suckling noise mm-hmm. and it's like oh right growing and growing and growing and then it turns out there are puppies feeding or whatever feeding on their mom yeah yeah which just is totally normal yeah. yeah but it's so aggressively loud that it's like and there well, isn't yeah. much dialogue like... there isn't much dialogue either so like yeah. these noises are even more impactful yeah mm-hmm. it's like meant to like it makes you feel like claustrophobic i feel like it really like really heightens your yeah yeah Yeah, the this movie as ashley mentioned maybe this was before we started recording um was in the works for like five years lynch spent so much time working on creating that that score himself and then there's the only other music in the movie aside from just the, the score is that radiator song and like a pipe organ um mm-hmm. uh motif that he, comes back and forth yeah and it's, but, it took five years he even lived he lived in henry's room for a year by the oh way no. <laughs> yeah. what a, this explains what? some things <laughs> yeah so henry's room consists of a bed um a pile of dirt on the nightstand and well, another pile of dirt on the armoire well yeah there's yeah. the plan if you want to call it uh something that has no no uh, leaves or foliage or just a twig um yeah. and then he has like a worm farm sort of um in in his dresser uh worm slash baby farm who, who knows um we're already getting to i think that's his sperm you, you could represent a sperm for sure yeah yeah um which comes in the mail every week um yep. like clockwork <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so that dinner scene has I, I always remember this movie to be a dark comedy uh, i'm starting to second guess that opinion after seeing it in this in this context and seeing the range of reactions in the in the theater and uh, post theater going experience there's it's the dinner scene that provides the most comic relief in the movie but it's still so it's so weird and, and twisted and yeah. then it follows up that uh scene of him carving the uh, cut them up just like normal chickens <laughs> um, oh my god that, with... so the dialogue in the scene is funny but then yeah. the like actions during it completely like counterbalance that like yeah. the whole that noisy mess that we just play it to, again that, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> that scene like just completely like immediately punches you in the gut to take away like the levity Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, Good. I think I think Lynch would learn from this experience that he wanted to make films with more uh, entertainment value, more like the character, more moments of levity. His his other movies, especially something like Wild at Heart with a firecracker like Nick Cage at the center, Heart. has and a lot of like a lot of comedy and a lot of entertainment value, stylistic like just fun moments. Um, not a lot of fun moments in this when his mom, when the mom pulls him aside after dinner or mid dinner, um, because 
how, how are they supposed to eat those oozing chickens? Uh, <laughs> she tells Henry that her daughter's pregnant and then starts licking his face or yep. kissing him. Yeah. Yep. Licking all over his neck. Yeah. Um, and then, she so then Mary. Horn dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the way he was carving up those chickens, how can, how could she contain herself and all the <laughs> suckling going on and the oozing and. It's now time for James's drinking roll. <laughs> <laughs> Super special movie shots club exclusive yep. right here. What do you got for us? Okay. You drink and there's a movie. So and you're the uncomfortable. First, yeah. <laughs> drinking whenever there's like oozing or another word for oozing. <laughs> Dripping. <laughs> Dripping at yeah, any sort of that kind squishing. of squishing squishing yeah Ooh, oh the yeah, eyeball Derek good. I thought of you during that moment mm-hmm. the eyeball squishing oh moment. yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh, uh, uh number two what was number two crying oh yeah anytime there's crying because that happens not by you times. but by the the no the Your audience own crying or in the movie <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. yeah it just depends and then also number three is anytime you go what that's oh. a personal oh, thing oh that's too. a lot yeah, yeah. Agree so yeah. yeah anytime there's that moment it's a lot Ugh. of drinking yeah. i gotta drink yeah seriously. i mean yeah. something's something's gotta get you through man uh, let's let's talk about the source of all this crying and, and oozing and and uh family tension Do so have to? <laughs> they have a baby weeks maybe months in in um indeterminable amount of time between they have sex that's the other part of the scene with the mom she like repeatedly asks him if they had sex if she had he had sex with her daughter or not and he like won't answer he's just being super passive and uncomfortable which i guess fair uh but they did have sex and he's like but that was not very long ago and so the baby was very premature and is it fair to say deformed yeah um, alien? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was a little ET-esque slug mixture. Who? I yeah. Mean, it was someone... definitely. It was definitely not a normal baby. But right. Well, they presented as if it's just premature and oh, and and you know has a few like ailments, uh, developmental issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's 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 more extreme than that. Um. Yeah. Who wants who who wants to describe it in vivid detail? Jamie. Uh... <laughs> It's like a cross between a slug and an artichoke mm. heart. Ooh. <laughs> With some yeah. ET in there as well. Yeah. 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 It's a The head looks like a slimy nerf ball. Um it's like it's oblong shaped like that. Yeah, a little a little ET-esque. A little like xenomorphish. Mm-hmm. Um the alien creatures like in baby form, especially like when they So this actually I guess now that I think about it, when did the alien came out a couple years after this? So the chest bursters that pop out the little baby xenomorphs so cute um actually do kind of look like the worm creatures mm-hmm. from this and these like special effects artists in the case of eraser head uh lynch doing all the prop work and the Masterful. case of like i yeah, yeah. really my impressive. hat to that shit mm-hmm. like it's so good but it is a nightmare to watch yeah yeah i mean the urban legend that 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 probably a lot of people know about this movie without even knowing the movie is the the baby is like hard to describe as we're struggling to do but it people have asked lynch for years for decades what he used to make it and he won't a lot of people have theories reddit 
has done their best detective work to no avail and he will never reveal even his daughter who worked on the movie with him and various people close to close to the production were either blindfolded um, <laughs> during the making that of is it just insane or <laughs> never told what what he used and uh, he, so what are the some of the or the things that people have come up with so, like uh chicken organs or what was it pig organs lamb skinned oh, rabbit a skinned rabbit lamb fetus or something yeah, yeah lamb fetus yeah i re- i read it in one like of both one. of those yeah i mean it's so it's a combination of the head sticking out that's kind of shaped like a like a uh deformed football and then its body is just yeah a bell pepper is a good (laughs) one too um and then the body is just uh wrapped up like um wrapped up in bandages so we don't don't see see we don't really see anything below the neck yeah until (laughs) until it's too late at one point to add an insult to to visual injury the he's like checking the baby's temperature to see if it's getting sick and it's fine one second and then they cut oh, back to God. it oh yeah maybe that this was, is when uh, maybe this was the that jump scare was probably the jump scare yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it cuts back and it's covered in like postules and bubbling like wart sores. thing sores yeah. yeah um another gag slash ooze moment um but yeah like in a literal sense and so much that anything in this movie is literal they have a baby. Mary moves in with him to this dirt-filled, shabby, one-bedroom, zero-bedroom, one-room apartment, mm-hmm. um, and things they they things don't exactly go well. I guess this is the honeymoon period. Um, <laughs> she's like, "You're cool with getting married, right?" And he's like, uh, uh, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts to them like moving in, bringing the baby home, and trying to sleep through the night with disturb like it's always pouring down rain and trains are going and there's mm-hmm. this wind whipping through the room or like the sound of wind whipping through and it's definitely not a neither. beautiful environment no. uh no um so, the room is so small and tightly yeah. squeezed in but also because i feel like it's shrouded in darkness the edges often are yep. it feels mm-hmm. very big at the same time mm-hmm. yeah like it's just like floating in space and it just yeah it's a lot of a lot of feelings you get there like and just feels it's damp just, yeah too. it's un- yeah. It's, well it's crazy yeah he like at one point he comes home from a, a hard day he's on vacation which what a vacation he's he's having he's <laughs> on vacation for like four months it feels like yeah. Him, yeah yeah that he's on vacation from his work at the printing factory um everything in this in this movie i think i didn't even read this theory but it seems so obvious that not be uh, part of the commentary is that the dad at the dinner says something about he remembers when this used to be uh, all pastures and now it's like the the urbanization the industrialization of what was a beautiful landscape uh pastoral landscape at one point is now just a, a smoggy hellscape mm-hmm. um so that seems like some of the commentary but henry comes home after stepping like walking around in these mud piles <laughs> Jamie's like he could have walked anywhere else, not right in these uh these these puddles. <laughs> the edges but... were like wet and puddly, and the middle was dry, and <laughs> yeah. he was walking on the skirts of the puddles. But to to choice. dry his to dry his feet and socks, he like throws his socks on the radiator, and they start sizzling. Um, <laughs> and then I mean, oh, drink. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what makes the room uh, feel infinite and big in addition to the dark spots is this secret passageway into another dimension in the radiator. So uh, yes. he has these fantasies about a woman in the radiator who is um, a beautiful singer. Um, mm. and, uh, uh, hard A wide jawline. Yeah, <laughs> trying to dance around the uh, issue of like she has like snow cone. What are those um snowballs? Uh, yeah, those snowball candies. cheeks. Yeah, she has like snowballs um under her cheeks, and yeah, uh, he like finds some escape from the hellish new uh, situation he has found himself in uh, of his own making. I mean, he's not meant to be a sympathetic character. I don't think he's meant to be like a pathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe at the most extreme or the most like if you use your imagination really hard you could find some relatability but i don't think he's meant to be like super sympathetic he's just like a uh, aimless yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 um so anyway yeah there's that and then i think the whole middle of the movie is kind of like that sequence where he goes into the radiator there are um new baby worm creatures coming out of 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 mary he's like pulling them out from under the bed and throwing them against the wall um the woman in the radiator is dancing around slowly um stomping them on the stage and they're gushing out um and then there's and then there's like he has uh sex with the neighbor sort of and the bed turns into like uh hot tub Oh, yeah, hot tub wormhole. Gamote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they sink. Th- that's what. So this is where I feel like it is. If you want to delineate between reality and dream, I feel like that sequence it turns into a dream because he fades into the bed or like you know um, floats down through the bed, and then that's when he falls out of the building and his head falls off. Right, or he his head falls off while he's in the radiator world. Yeah, he's in the radiator world. His head pops off. And yep. then it falls out of the radio world into the real world on the sidewalk and splatters. And yep. the kid picks it up and takes it to sell it. Yeah. So let's talk. This is what I this is what I wanted to get to. Like the origin of the movie is this is this is a hilarious part. So there's the chicken scene, LOL. And then there's the origin <laughs> of what the name Eraserhead means, the title of this movie. We're actually for all the all the questions this movie doesn't answer, it gives a very definitive answer to what the <laughs> title what the title means. So who wants to explain what happens after the kid picks up his head and takes it to a pawn um, shop? A shop, yeah. Uh, Go for well, it. Sure. <laughs> so his head falls out of the sky, splatters on the pavement. Um, Be normal. Kid picks it. Yeah, fine. Yeah, kid picks it up, takes it to a pawn shop. And the guys are like, oh, this will be a good one or whatever. Yep. And they take it around to the a different part of the pawn shop <laughs> and they inject. I don't even know how they get the pencil. How, no, they like, uh, sh- like shave down the head, right? And like, they like stab a thing in it. It's a drill. It's a specialized drill like to excavate a pencil, <laughs> pencil with segment of brain matter. And you forgot about the door, the the doorbell. Jamie That's got a real kick out of that. Of yeah, they pressed the Where doorbell the for like was ten like minutes. Trying to get the other like <laughs> oh. punching in a code almost, but it just 
keeps going and going and going. It's, I thought okay, Paul. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, but they they literally take chunks, uh, cylinders of brain matter, fit them into the the butt end of a pencil, have it go through this elaborate contraption, come out, um, write something on a piece of paper, they test it, erase it. Yeah, and then blow the uh, eraser bits like off the paper, like we've all done a million times back when we used to use pencils, and uh, that's that's the explanation of eraser head. That's how they make eraser heads out of the character eraser head. Yeah, yeah, decapitated heads. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that was like hilariously literal for (laughs) a movie that is all like surrealist, like to have the name of the movie be shown uh in such like literal detail it was 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 funny and then they kind of cut back at some point to the man in the moon who's like pulling pulling levers and that's how he's getting like his face uh sparked up and and his face is all burnt from from his his work there and how do we how does henry like reemerge? what happens after after that that sequence he just wakes up doesn't he doesn't he just wake up he wakes up and like sometimes Mary, the his his um maybe wife, his is the mother of his child, is like there. Sometimes she's not. We never really know. At one point she leaves and has to keep like another hilarious oh, that moment. That was also a funny part. Yeah. Yeah. She's like trying to get her suitcase out from under the bed. And but you don't know what's pull- happening, and she yeah. keeps. It looks like she's like trying to pull the bed towards the baby crib, maybe or something. Oh like that. yeah. And then it's just like jostling and jostling, and just keeps going and going, <laughs> and then she finally tugs out the suitcase. That one was that was a good one too. Yeah, this the script for this movie was twenty nine pages, so people thought mm-hmm. with the minimal amount of dialogue and the minimal length of the script that it was maybe going to be like a short film, uh, kind of like a short art project. So it would make all, sense, but yeah, but it's moments like this where that are just extended visual sequences uh, that go on and on that to a point where if they went on half as long, like this works in some kind of comedies as well. If, if the joke like starts off, not a joke, and then you're like uncomfortable because it's going on too long and then it gets funny because yeah. it goes on. Who does one- that bit? Oh, Tignataro. Have you guys seen that bit? Sorry Mm-mm. to sidetrack. Mm-mm. She does a bit where she's on stage and she talks about dragging a chair across oh, the I've stage. Seen that. <laughs> yeah, and how it's funny for a minute and then eventually you'll get tired of it and then she just does it. She drags a chair but, across yeah, the if stage. You keep, if you keep it going. keep laughing <laughs> and then like people stop laughing and then she just keeps dragging it and then it builds again and she does it like a million times. It's yeah. really funny. It's, it is it's extremely so, funny, dude. It's weirdly funny. And- anyway. Yeah, and we're so easily manipulated in that sense. Part of it is uncomfortableness uh, as a coping mechanism. This movie certainly exploits that yeah. uh, desire to laugh when you're uncomfortable, uh, to to break the tension. But speaking of laughter, let's talk about the climax and the resolution that Henry gets uh. with the baby. So once mary's gone and probably not coming back he's fending for himself every time he tries to leave the baby starts crying and then as soon as he comes back they have a few like bonding a few cute bonding moments but it seems like there's a turning point maybe after all that that extended sequence we described where the baby is mocking him it's laughing did y'all how did y'all interpret that 
the the I mean, it was laughter, right? Was it laughing at him? Was it sinister? How did y'all interpret that? Was it uncomfortable? I think it was just teasing him. Okay, yeah. A little bit. Because it started off, I actually thought at the very beginning, the baby was kind of cute. I was like, oh, sure. that's, that's kind of cute. And then got all sick and disgusting. And then more <laughs> things happened to it. But I think it started off like kind of sweet, like with the mom like feed, trying to feed the baby and then the dad coming home. And then it's slowly more and more, it's like driving him insane. Like it was in his yeah. dreams. And then, you know, what happens to him? Yeah, it's, it, Derek mentioned the sperm thing earlier. Like he is, he does have some agency in this process, it seems like, because he's fostering. Um, I don't know if that's the right word, but he is like. Not if uh, it's his own baby. Yeah. No, no. I mean the worms. So like he oh, is getting okay. like. I was like, ah, he's fathering. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I mean, like we don't see the conception, but we do see him doing things that seem to be related to some kind of like birthing ritual or like he's growing worms in his, his dresser and the worm is doing like little cute somersaults and getting bigger and popping out. And like, mm-hmm. he seems to get a kick out of that. Um, that scene was also, really cool by the way. Yeah, the that in, was like, the little thing going in and out of the holes and like, that was, that and was there awesome. might've been like a different, a more lighter festive music playing at that point or, or mm-hmm. scoring as uh, at that point, I feel like it, it was meant to be a, uh, more up uplifting scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which isn't saying a ton, but anyway, he, uh, eventually, and he's also at the same time stomping out, like having fantasies of, of killing the, the, the baby. So like, you know, killing lots of them, throwing them against the wall, having the radiator lady stomp on their heads. So yeah. mixed messages, but it seems like things aren't working out between him and the kid. The kid is either sick or not going to have a fulfilling life, uh, much like himself, maybe. And so, I don't know. He has to set it free in a sense. Uh, I mean, I say that not as a euphemism, like he unbandaged, unbandages it. And then we get some pretty top tier oozing, right? Mm, a lot yeah. of oozing. It's more of like Best a, um, it's more of like a silly, a thick, silly string type material or uh, toothpaste mixed with it's not it's not as it doesn't have the the liquid consistency of blood i feel like it's more like foamy is that fair yeah it's like shaving cream it's yeah. like Mixture. like when you're going through a car wash mm. and mm-hmm. all the soap hits the the wind windshield and it's like and it foams up and then or yeah. like shaving cream yeah like shaving yeah. cream yeah, yeah, yeah just builds yeah. and builds and then oh because he killed oh he kills the baby by stabbing and digging out his heart or something. Yeah. Well, so when he, when he, un- I mean, I think if it had been like, had a normal little baby body under that band, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which would have been a, a crazy twist. Um, I don't think he was unbandaging it necessarily to kill it, but once he does it's rib cage, the bandages are holding its rib cage and, and uh, organs in mm-hmm. place. So at that point, the baby is like suffocating and isn't going to survive. So he puts it out of its misery, misery, which he induced. Yeah. But I don't know necessarily that he went into it uh, planning to finish to finish the job. Um, But he just needed to it. The baby was like in sort of a limbo stasis state and he needed to do something to change things up. Um, So anyway, yeah, he stabs it. It dies. Um, and then I'm sure he lives happily ever after. 
um, they show like one more scene of the person in the moon, I think. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much the end of the movie and fade to black and more singing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what did, uh, any, what, anything else we didn't hit? Actually, I mean, I do want to, uh, circle back to your surprising kind of overall response of loving it. Um, even more than his other movies, like you found this more, uh, experimental or different, like what did, what produced that response? Well, I was explaining it to, um, my boyfriend, Isaac about, I was just, cause he came home and I was like talking about the movie. I was like, it felt like I was just like in an art house. Like it felt like an art, yeah. like a, almost like a short film. Um, although it was like an hour and a half or whatever, <laughs> but it just felt like, it just felt like an experience. It was very different. Yeah. It didn't feel like a movie to me. I just like watched by being like, it just felt like a piece of art. I mean, I, I was, I was like sort of tongue in cheek saying that to Jamie repeatedly for the, for the, <laughs> the last several days or ever since we saw it um, moments ago. Um, so <laughs> maybe that was the uh, too soon, but, but yeah, like the defense of this movie, not that it needs defense. It's, it's critically uh, beloved and a huge cult movie at this point, but is it's not entertainment. It's art. And those can be the same. Uh, entertainment can be art. Art can be entertaining. It mm-hmm. uh, can be many things and you don't have to, ex- you wouldn't exclusively watch movies like this. Uh, I would assume no. Ashley and no. I wouldn't, I, I don't either, but like as a one-off experience, it is, um, it produces a, a strong, a strong visceral response and yeah. you know, not for everyone. Yeah. But, it, it finished and I was just like, Whoa, I was like, yeah. what a movie. Like I just right. kind of like sat there for a while and I was like, wow, that was just a lot to unpack. <laughs> Yeah. In a great way. I mean, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, by. We talk about I'm these curious. films where you get yeah. like this filter after you see the film and it kind of changes mm-hmm. the rest of your day. And that's absolutely what this film does every time I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's hard to let go of uh, for better or worse. And Derek, I'm curious, like, I know you watched this a lot um, at some point in your life, but it probably had been a while. And I was a little nervous for you in the sense of like, uh, maybe you saw it at a, a like more impressionable time or like, I, I wasn't sure you would have that, be able to recapture that same feeling now, but did it, it, did it was it... definitely different, De- yeah. a different experience than when I first saw it, which I think I was maybe 2021. 20, mm-hmm. Somebody got it from Netflix where they delivered the DVDs. Yeah. And they just never returned it. So I would just watch <laughs> it all the time. So, right. Um, yeah, it's still very creepy, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it's just crazy. It's a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. Still, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the shock value goes away, but you know, it's like maybe after a certain point, you've seen. It's not as novel as it. It felt like. I mean, in 1977, when it, there's zero like hype or zero expectations for it going in. To, to, I, I mean, we just had it, but like, you know, we had to time travel to do it, like to be part of one of those first audiences when pre-internet, pre like any kind of um, uh, awareness of what you're getting into and to see something like this. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. To like go into something like this, maybe you like, no, okay. It's a midnight showing. So there's going to be something weird ab- ab- about it, but like nothing could prepare you for this. 
Um, and so I think in that sense, it like lives up to its reputation and hype because it's <laughs> a singular experience. Um, yeah. And what better way to sum up a indescribable experience than with a poem? So oh, speaking man. of art, Ashley, have any uh, sweet poetry for us? I do. It was really hard, but I got it. <laughs> This is quite a movie to write about. I was like, oh man, like I don't even know where to start. Um, but yeah, I'll read you guys a little poem. You ready? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Damn, David Lynch. <laughs> That's it. No, no, no. Um, I'm almost at a loss for words. How could you create something so mesmerizing, so intriguing, yet so absurd? You have Henry Spencer, the nerdy label maker who lives in a small earthy space. He's invited over to Mary's for dinner with her parents. What a place. And it's the oddest meeting of them all with a catatonic grandma, a licky ma, a dog nursing her pups and a numb armed paw. Oh, <laughs> and he finds out he's now a father to an alien baby. What the actual hell? So Mary and Henry take the home, the alien baby, a mixture between ET and a glow worm. Time to yell. When it gets sick and spits up his baby food, it makes my stomach toss and turn. Mary can't stand the cry from this alien worm. So off to stay with her parents, she goes, and Henry's left with this little squirm. <laughs> Henry has fantasies of hooking up with the lady across the hall where they have, a, where they have sex in a fog-laden pool slash moat on Henry's bed. Yeehaw. <laughs> and, <laughs> and throughout the movie, there's a popcorn-faced lady. She sings and stomps on a similar-looking alien baby. And you swear you can feel the pop as she smushes the tiny bod. The gore Oof. and the sound effects throughout are way beyond odd. Ugh. Oof. Yeah. Sadly, sadly, Henry awakes from this dream and decides to do the most unthinkable thing. He kills mm. the little worm by stabbing it and digging out his heart. Man, oh man, giving out from this wicked part. Back to dreamland where an eraser head is made out of Henry's head, which is a sight to see. Not sure if you can tell, but I actually really love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the editing, acting details, sound effects, visual effects. I could talk about this forever, but I'll leave it up to the experts to untether. Because to try and explain David, to try and explain Lynch's genius would leave me dreamless. Ooh, then. that nice. was incredible. Thanks. That, it was really that, hard. <laughs> that might have been some of your finest work yet, man. That's saying a lot. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really am genuine. I'm not like shocked that you liked it, but I would have expected like a more conflicted response. So mm -hmm. I'm stoked that to, you like it. Yeah, that's that's really cool, and. Lynch is also notoriously like, I wouldn't say difficult, just um, obtuse about he, he wants to make his movies very open for interpretation. He doesn't want to describe anything in a literal sense that's happening in the movies or give any explanation himself because then he would rob the viewer of creating their own. He doesn't want to like rule out anyone's own interpretation or possibility. And you could use the word pretentious to describe that but i think it's it's like a pretty sweet and endearing um if it's coming from the right place you're not just like making something weird for the sake of weird mm -hmm. i think he's just like a a visual thinker he's a painter first and a visual artist and so he really just takes some kind of like random dream like either an actual dream or one passage apparently from the bible that inspired mm -hmm. this whole story which he won't say what the words were but and then creates a um a, a cinematic landscape from something that really doesn't have a, a conventional story like <laughs> yeah. he just builds it out from a provocative thought or image that he has and then goes from there. And so like, why spoil that with like 
conventional um, <laughs> storytelling. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, want him to tell me what it yeah. was about. Yeah. I'm sure people, there are obnoxious like creators that, that do similar things, but it just feels to me like he's coming from a, a pure place with it. So, all right. That's it for the first part of our discussion of Eraserhead. We'll regroup in a little while and kind of um, process the response to this movie. But before we do that, I think it's time for our favorite segment, Rank the Blank. And each week, we have a new fake sponsor from the time period. So we worked really hard to procure this sponsorship from a company called Tame. When it comes to cream rinses, I think clean is the name of the game. Clean is the feeling of bright, shiny hair. Clean is the name of the game. I yeah. want a cream rinse that doesn't undo my shampoo. So I use this, Tame Cream Rinse and Conditioner. Because it works without oil, Tame Rinse is clean. And clean hair is beautiful hair. <laughs> Sold. That was easy. Yeah. Um, free now. samples of Tame all around for everyone who participated in the podcast and listened to it. Keep, uh, keep your eyes out for that. Um, <laughs> what's a cream rinse? <laughs> Good it's question. It's just a different, a different way to say conditioner. I guess because it's like you won't wash out the shampoo with this cream rinse. You're like, but don't you want to wash out the shampoo? Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I understand mean, it either. But y'all are we we've got a she couple ladies. To be happy. Yeah, she's on the podcast. Y'all have never heard of uh, a cream rinse hair product? No. No. Okay, I mean, well, they're coming back. They're... Does Tame exist anymore? <laughs> Just sort of. In the future, I mean, in the future where we're not right now, but yeah, in the future, we, <laughs> in the future, future, yeah, if we wanted to, we'll see. I'll, I'll try to, I'll try yeah. to find some, um, and pass it along. So, thank you, Tame. Um, rank the blank is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. Uh, this week's topic is favorite black and white movie, new or old. I probably could have just made it new because, or movies that like came around after. All movies were black and white, but what the heck? This is just <laughs> wide open. It can be any movie that existed before color or any movie that intentionally, I would say, um, well, Ashley can go through some of the categories, but Eraserhead falls into the bucket of, it was 1977, obviously color, everything was shot on film and color film was way more expensive. I don't know if Lynch would have chose black and white uh, stylistically anyway. It certainly seems to fit. But the budget might have been a factor as well. Can you imagine so. some of these effects in color, though? That I, <laughs> I think it'd be I worse. Don't wanna, uh, yeah, I don't want to think about it, actually. I, I mean, I think, mind. well, and I think it actually, it's kind of like when you read a book and you imagine what the scene looks like and then you see it visually, you're like, oh, what I imagined was very different or yeah, sometimes better. I feel like it's better in black and white. Yeah. Because maybe like when it's oozing out stuff, you're like, oh, that's just like ridiculous looking. Yeah, yeah. it might be super yeah. cheesy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It might have yeah, been, yeah. it might have looked cheesy. Or uh it's interesting that they've gone back and like colorized certain movies. It would be mm -hmm. a fun project to do that <laughs> for this one. Um it'd I be cool if, if Lynch would fight it. I wonder if yeah. I'm sure he would. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, if someone just did it like not it wouldn't be an official release but i mean yeah I, I don't know if they would have the source material needed i guess digitizing it you could do it um i don't know i don't know how he feels about like fan inspired art i, I, I can't imagine he would just shut it down but it, yeah yeah um <laughs> anyway 
So Ashley, what are some other examples? Like there's a million movies that were in black and white, obviously, but what are some examples of like the, the touchstones in this transition? Sure. Uh, so you have Wizard of Oz. So that made yep. a colorful splash in the 1939. You have um, widespread use of the color starting in the early 50s. There's all those examples like black and white, like in Psycho in the 60s. Um, low budget movies shot on film, you know, like Razorhead. And then mm-hmm. you have like modern movies like Schindler's List, Roma, The Lighthouse, The Artist. Remember when that came out? It was yep. The Artist. Best Picture uh, winner. Oh, yeah. Which I didn't even, <laughs> well, it's different, whatever, it's fine. It was a fine movie. Um, and then there's like American History X, Antichrist, and other movies that just have black and white scenes in them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so we're using the most, we're casting the widest possible net for our options here. Um, Would Logan count? I just thought of it right now. Is there a black and white scene in that? There's a black and white version of it. Yeah, so that, that's another category. Uh, uh, they made the the Chrome in Fury or Chrome version of Mad Max Fury Road, black and Chrome. Um, and they've done that with a couple mm. movies. There was like a, a trend to to take the color out of movies to make them, you know, Zack Snyder notoriously uh, desaturates the hell out of his uh, DC universe movies until that they basically look black and white and grayscale. So um, yeah, it can be uh, used to good effect or pretentious effect. What are our nominees? What are our, um, what's our Instagram handle for participation? Oh, it's audience? the release podcast, but I didn't ask anyone. So we didn't get a response. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, you don't have faith in our audience, I guess. I do. So. I do. Next so week. yeah, uh, our nominees, as always, include the movie we watched. So Eraserhead, strong contender, I think. James, what's your choice? Uh, I went old school because I actually feel like I haven't seen any of the newer black and white black and white movies. Um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf from nineteen? Oh yeah, that year. Yeah, for sure. It, uh, it has Elizabeth Taylor in it. It's based on an Edward Albee play, which is one of my favorites. Uh, it's almost it's like a contained set, mm-hmm. and it's just also about a dinner party that yep. goes awry. Essentially, <laughs> um, there's a lot of yelling and seething anger and pettiness, and it's uh, it's a good performances all around. Great movie, great play, and I love it. So, yeah. who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Incredible dialogue and 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 just like tension i mean it's Mm -hmm. all the conflict in the movie is done through just like conversations at yeah (laughs) their house and there's no like real stakes in the movie technically but it is like a high tension movie like they're acting the shit out of like what could have just been a normal like dinner party where they invite like a younger guy over and so there's like a love triangle oh yeah it's like another couple um but anyway yeah i love that movie as well ashley what's your choice i'm going with pleasantville with reese witherspoon uh basically (laughs) yeah it's a good one and it takes place i don't remember it's like 50s or 60s or something like that and everything's in black and white and then reese witherspoon and her brother get like trapped in that era like they go into the tv or something and then they start doing a little she like makes out with a boy and then all of a sudden she has like pink lips and then everything else right. is black and white and then the color starts like a, it's really visual it's beautiful um it's well done yeah that that's like a it's a novelty or a gimmick but you used like it's it's uh critical 
to telling the story they wanted to tell. So like when the characters find their own agenda for a living, they like start becoming bright and colorful. And right. Yeah. Yep. It's very cool. Yeah. On the other end of that spectrum, like I was reading about American history X cause I forgot that that started off in black and white. And that's meant to see, say like, because he's a, a white supremacist, he only sees the world in black and white until he goes to jail and, you know, starts to mm-hmm. reform. And then the movie turns to color. So, um, much, uh, different darker, end of the spectrum. Yeah. But I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't pick that. Um, yeah, I, kind so of for, from, I honestly forgot it was black and white in the beginning. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and maybe it doesn't count. I can't remember how much of the movie actually, uh, spends in that, in that first period. But, uh, for me, I went with a, um, movie that came before there was the opportunity to colorize. So I think mine would be the only choice that, that like couldn't have been in color. Um, Freaks, 1932. So set um, a very controversial film at the time that that was the impetus for creating the the code where you couldn't show or do certain things in movies. And there was like a a period of of extreme censorship that wouldn't have allowed movies like Eraserhead to be released. Um, But this focused on a band of uh, pretty much they cast real uh, circus performers and so-called freaks, um, people with, with, uh, physical deformities or anything that, um, um, short people, um, small people, um, and then, um, bearded people, (laughs) tall people, (laughs) yeah, those sorts, strong men. Um, and then it's kind of follows like this one, uh, woman, uh, conventionally normal woman who enters their, um atmosphere and it's all about like can she exist with them will they accept her it's uh it's got some heavy like thematic uh beats going on but it at at its essence it's about like outsiders and so um pretty powerful stuff and holds up really well i feel like for an older movie and the black and whiteness of it uh just kind of feels like appropriate for the 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 harshness of the the time and the treatment of the characters so freaks Um, all right freaks derek what about you i am going with uh, a 1953 film that i saw as a kid on tv with uh when i was watching it with my mom it's called it came from outer space and it's essentially about a, a ufo that crashes in arizona Go figure. That's where I grew up. And uh, there is a stargazer and uh, I forget who the other person was, but they see it and they know that something's up and they go explore it. And then everybody in the town starts acting odd and they're starting to be replaced by aliens. And Hmm. yeah, it's interesting. It was um, it just sticks out to me as a a black and white film. Yeah. It's also uh, mentioned in Night of the Comet as well. I don't know when, but. Oh, oh interesting. okay yeah yeah which well, we bonus points there you know, you, you know yep. oh, i know you know crowd. your audience yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and that might have been uh similar to what we were saying with Eraserhead. uh color technology was becoming a little more popular then but not like ubiquitous so one it might have helped make this the special effects seem more realistic not having it in color um compared to something like a killer clowns just a random oh, space yeah. movie um that uh 
that is going for campiness, obviously, but black and white is one way to kind of like um, make special cover up for for uh, hard to accomplish special effects and limit limitations and production value. Um, so yeah, good choices all around. I don't even know how to start. Like this is favorite black and white movie. Um, we each picked our favorites, but how should we pit them against one another, Ashley? Um, based on like inventiveness, based on um, impact of the black and white aspect, because I feel like if that kind of rules out mine. I think it's we based to... on if you were to make it into color, would it be a, a worse movie or a better movie? Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's an interesting criteria. So, but that that means if you, if it, if it's necessary and critical for it to be in black and white, you mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, I've okay. seen a color version of Freaks. I'm pretty sure they made. <laughs> oh, well, you're out. It works well. <laughs> I'm out too. Yeah. Uh, Who's Afraid is literally just a dinner party. So that's, it could be. You're not out, Ashley. Yours is, I think, the best example of this. Well, I'm. How could it be in color? Oh, wait, it, it has to have yeah, the it has to contrast be in black and white between to be in the color, two. Because that's yeah. a whole. But I was just going to say that Eraserhead's my favorite. So. Yeah, I mean, Eraserhead might be the the winner um, yeah. because it's the most like visually arresting yeah. <laughs> of any of these in the black and white plays a crucial role in that. I think y'all made a really interesting point that we, we keep repeating, but that like it might have lost a lot of that impact if it mm -hmm. was. It might have seemed cheesy in, yeah. in color. So. I don't have a problem with that winning. Um, that's for sure. Then um, we have another clip that we didn't use, but what's the what's the rest of the order? Oh, so Eraserheads first. Okay. I haven't seen Freaks. It came from Outer Space or Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. But based on the descriptors, I think it came from Outer Space would be pretty cool to see mm -hmm. um, in black and white. And that probably, yeah, like you said earlier, it was just like a lot easier to make it look cooler in black and white than in color. Yeah. Um, I, I think Pleasantville know. is number two. Yeah. Okay. Eraserhead, Pleasantville. It came from outer space. And then it's between you and James. I don't Probably know. Probably Freaks should go next. And then the dinner party. Sorry. And then the dinner party movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, cool. I love um, it. I don't think we've had that. Keeps me humble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so nobody wins and everybody wins because we all yeah. got to share this experience together. Um, Derek, the other clip that I, I picked was just a soundscape from yep. the whole movie. So if we just want to take like any random 15 to however many second chunk of that. And, just and the, I, I found a good part. The cool. doorbell oh, sweet. buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Congrats to our movie of the week. Yay, yeah. Racer Head. <laughs> oh, in the elevator? Almost. Yeah, that was nice. I would see that movie. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a warm bath of, of sound. <laughs> oh. um, all right. Well, that's it for Rank the Blank this week. Thank you, um, James, for participating. Thank you, Tame, for that hair cream. 
Unbelievable yeah, stuff. Here's Taming our quaff. Oh, that, <laughs> I bet that's why they call it that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tame that mane. And of course, um, thanks to Henry for using uh, zero of our sponsor's product on his hair <laughs> throughout the making of this movie. Um, and David Lynch, um, I don't know what he does to tame that gorgeous quaff of gray hair that he has now. Beautiful hair. Um, but yeah. So um let's get back to our feature presentation okay so now that the dust has settled a little bit the eraser dust has um floated down back down to earth What's been the uh, response to something like this, Ashley? What what are the critics saying? What are the people on the street saying? What do, what do we got? The critics are loving it. Mm. Uh, more than the people. But <laughs> that happens with movies like this, I feel like. Um, yeah. People are still enjoying it, but critics are definitely big fans. Um, some of them had some things to say. So <clears throat> this is a classic, no matter how comfortable it is to watch this one, which I think is we've touched how on How comfortable lot. or uncomfortable? Comfortable. Okay, no matter I mean, how I'd... comfortable it is right <laughs> yeah and then another one said it's beautiful and strange with its profoundly disturbing ambient sound design of industrial mm. groaning as if filmed inside some <laughs> collapsing factory or gigantic dying organism which i thought was pretty cool y'all know where this was filmed philadelphia Detroit? so was i was based off I, of philadelphia i was wrong yeah <laughs> or like i had it wrong in my head it it yeah uh the Lynch... afi something Lynch went to school in Philadelphia and it, it heavily inspired the the setting, but it was all filmed in Los Angeles. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Yes, there aren't that many outdoor shots. That's so crazy because like not a lot of movies are filmed in LA. I, feel I like. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it's an LA one movie. of the first ones. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard um, of it. <laughs> I think we have a little soundbite from our boy uh, Ebert. He's back. Ooh. With us. Okay. Well, he's the not. Razorhead is the way it yeah. creates an absolutely original, threatening universe. Nothing in this movie seems reassuring or familiar. But one note, by the way, because I watched it just in the last couple of days on video, the movie is shot in a lot of darkness and shadows, mm-hmm. and it's hard to see some of the details if you watch it on video, details that would be clear in a movie theater. I didn't like the film when it came out. I still don't like it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out Damn, what cool. is the appeal of it. First of all, it's very confusing to follow, but I'm trying to think that uh, it is more of the college-age crowd that is embracing makes this film, a, and maybe they feel so alienated by the world around them that all the threats that are involved in this guy are all the kind of subconscious and sometimes conscious threats mm-hmm. that they feel themselves. This, I mean, um, they, they, they don't identify with this guy as much as they I'll identify you, with what is coming at him. I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Uh, this. No, you won't. Psych. I thought. I mean, it's it's. So Ashley, I'm pretty sure your critical response, it was much more mixed right away. Over mm-hmm. time, it became a critical f- favorite. But yeah. um, I think they, uh, Siskel's response and confusion certainly was the, the a common response for people. But it was cool you made that point there of like, maybe it was hitting younger people in a different way. And society is like in a pretty big, like, um, time of, of, of change and cultural revolution. And so this is like, uh, a way for people to work out their inner anxieties. I saw somebody say that it was just all kind of an allegory for social, um, anxiousness, 
Mm-hmm. So he's like con- obviously uncomfortable the whole time and, and just navigating the world and da- the dating scene these days. Right. Um, <laughs> um uh, I mean, it, can you, like, I thought the, the new movie fresh was a harsh take on dating life, <laughs> but this, this makes that look like a cakewalk. So, um, anyway, uh, that's, it, that's the, well, did it do well in the box office? It, I know we went to a midnight burn. release, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. It eventually would make a lot of money. So, um, or not a lot of money. Um, on a, a very small. Uh, I saw 10k and I saw 100k enough to buy a budget. house, fifty thousand mm. dollars. It it would eventually make seven million at the box Whoa, office. Okay. So okay. if it if the 10k Dan Lynch budget can move out of that apartment, that dirt apartment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he likes him. it though. You yeah. know, <laughs> he probably has a room in his new house. That's a little a dirt room. Yeah, <laughs> instead of a mud room, it's a dirt room. Yeah. <laughs> It was successful enough for him, obviously, to get a lot of new opportunities. He had to, you know, laboriously and painstakingly uh, pull this through production. And, you know, he was friends with this dude, this producer, Jack Fisk, who was married to Sissy Sissy Spacek. Mm -hmm. And so she was on set. um, And also they were helped financing it. He had like a lot of people who believed in him, but it's impossible to know from this uh, that he would be commercially viable. <laughs> yeah. James Lynch is, he's a wild kind of director. Like he's so it's interesting because his movies, especially this one, I feel like are built to be relatively unaccessible, right? They're like yeah. art housey weird movies. Yeah. And that's cool. That's great. But the fact that so many people actually connected to it and enjoyed it and found it accessible, like that's an interesting line he's writing and that's really cool for him. Yeah, some would say he's wild at heart. (laughs) Yeah, some would say. Some just did. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he would. uh, He would go on to make uh, the sci-fi failure, Dune, um, the adaptation of of that book that was like uh, attempted many times and had a lot of false starts before he finally did get his version made. The studio hated it. He had to add like he had to re-edit a lot of it to satisfy them. He had a terrible experience and he was making that after he had turned down the opportunity to direct um, uh, the second Star Wars movie. <laughs> so yeah. like they, people, they, people had a lot of faith in him to uh, maybe that's just like the trajectory that people were on. I mean, like that you could go from Eraserhead to, to Star Wars, but like in, you know, Star Wars 1977, we're getting there in a couple weeks, by the way. Mm-hmm. But yes. um he had a the, he had a compromise that if he made Dune, um, then he could make whatever he wanted after that, which would turn out to be Blue Velvet. So he did eventually kind of find a sweet spot of making films that were on a scale that he could uh, express his vision and have complete control over. But it's very like yeah. Nick Cagey too. Like mm-hmm. the highs and lows of their careers feel very, very parallel and similar. Yeah, yeah. People are I mean, like, "Oh, he's a joke director, or he's a joke actor." Until mm-hmm. you get like the thing that you really enjoy from them, and you're like, "Oh, wait, just kidding." Pig. He's been an artist this whole time, right? Like, I mean, and he was way ahead of the curve. On um, we talked in, uh, I guess it was last season when we were in 1990 about the premiere of Twin Peaks. I mean, it's insane that Twin Peaks was the most popular show on TV for you know a minute. <laughs> and he was like, this was before there was such thing as 
where film directors were transitioning to TV. Like that was, he was really ahead of the game in putting some kind of like putting cinematic language and storytelling on TV. And it worked for a while. Um, but that was another case of like the amount of hours and the amount of episodes required and the, the demands of studio executives to tell something to TV audiences that would get good ratings, you know, over a sustained period sort of um, beat him down until he basically just left the show. But anyway, um, this is really exciting that we got to talk about another Lynch movie. What else? Um, what else are we going to do, Ashley? Well, do you guys consider this a new release or old news? Would you recommend it? Did you like it? I mean, I kind of know, but yeah. what do you guys think? Curious what Derek has to say, because I'm not really sure what his. It's absolutely a new release. Yeah. Watch it and watch it again and watch it again and watch it again. Maybe it's, not back to back. You, you need no. some fucking space. But... <laughs> once a week, once a week. <laughs> but definitely, yeah. It still it's, holds up to me. Despite being in black and white and being so like weird and specific, I think it's it, it's hard to argue that it's not timeless. Like whether yeah. regardless of whether yeah, you like it or what not. I was thinking. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it really is. It's a new it's as new of a new release now as it was in 77. I mean, like there's been more experimental film since then, but nothing you have seen in the interim would change the like singularity of yeah. this. So uh, yeah, new release for me, Jamie. Um I do think it's a timeless movie. I would I recommend it to any of my specific friends? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Uh, well, what did you say to Victoria yesterday? Uh, oh, I said it's a red flag if someone recommends this to you. Well, you said hell no. Don't ever watch. Like, if a guy tells you to watch this movie, I feel like it's a red flag. Yeah, and, uh, and but, let's just tell the viewers that you and Drew are dating. So yeah, yep. so you know, <laughs> big red flag flags, right there. Flags on well, the fields. Too late. Touchdown. <laughs> uh, no, it's some distance from it is good. I think I appreciate it. I think yeah. I can say I appreciate it. It's it's also not a genre that I enjoy, but I do like Lynch. And mm -hmm. it was very effective. Right. Mm -hmm. For what it was. And that's the problem. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why I didn't like it, because it was it's exactly the genre I don't like. And it was good at it. You know, like mm -hmm. there are so multiple you're... genres it sits in that I don't like. And yeah. So do you think it's it's old news? No. Okay, so watch I, it once yeah. and then just forget about it. And yeah. hopefully go see a therapist if needed. Yeah. Bury it, exactly. bury it deep away. Uh, sponsored by, what's that? Tame. Better Health? Tame. Yeah, Better Health. Oh, Better Health. <laughs> <laughs> a little I'm bit of both. <laughs> um, I'm also going to say new release. So that's great. Cool. Yeah. I would definitely recommend it to specific people, but it's a, it's a hard movie to recommend because um, it's just so different. But... Yeah, Once you watch I think people it, really know nice. what they're getting into. I mean, I mean, they like uh, again. You can't really prepare someone for it. I kind of even wasn't sure how disturbing it would be for for James. But I like, had no idea what it was about. Like, I had zero. Yeah, I knew the name of the movie. I knew that the guy had big hair, and that was it. Yeah, same. Yeah, same. And that's I don't one of the think best movie going experiences. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Is to not know Fun. that much about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. Um. Well, we. Uh, what's next, Ashley? Oh, I was just going to say how, how late seventies is eraser hit. This is kind of tough. Yeah. We have a new, um, um, we're in a new time period. This is our first barometer. movie from 1977. So we have a new, 
rating scale, much less confusing than the zero to 202 rating <laughs> scale that we had last semester. So oh, what one? Um, I think the most uh, Panic Room ended up being Panic the most oh. early aughts movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. I don't know if that's accurate. We were going to revisit. We were going to revisit those. Jason X mm-hmm. took place in uh, 2455. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and as we just mentioned with Eraserhead, it's we don't have our bearings yet for the late 70s. So we don't have any point of reference. And this movie exists independent of time and space as we yeah. just said so yeah um it it's black and bl- the past black and white good. doesn't scream 70s no. uh, the score does not scream you know no. uh, the wardrobe uh, we were, does not we were a little disco focused last week i think we're in a per- period in the late 70s where disco's on the way out and fleetwood mac is on the way in doesn't have anything in common with either of those yeah wardrobe um, not a lot of bell bottoms or whatever the hell, you know, silk skirts actors, or no silk actors. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't uh, even put like a time stamp on uh, the vi- the practical effects either. I mean, I think we might yeah. have our first one. I mean, a zero on the table or is it? We can't give Lynch a, a zero. I, was I think, go, I think it's about... a badge of honor. I feel like he would be honored by it. Actually, yeah, fine. Like, yeah. yeah. Because no, it's, it's, it's like maybe the most timeless movie we've ever watched or out of yeah. time okay yeah. wow zero it is. so we're giving show. the movie That's we a... love a zero which is this makes yeah. perfect sense for our ranking it doesn't yeah. matter how much we like it how much 77 is it yeah um, this is really putting our our scale to the test here because we have to fight our instincts to give it a higher number um but all right zero zero it is. <laughs> Love that. Okay. David Lynch uh, would love that. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. Um, all right. So what do we want to include? So each oh, week God. when we watch the movie, oh, we take something boy. from the movie, recreate <laughs> it, and then sell it for profit in our gift shop. What do we want to take from this movie and sell? Oh, I uh, mean, grow your own baby own pencils or something. Babies. Oh easy. yeah, or pencils. Yeah. I mean, that's a real exciting addition to our mm-hmm. gift shop. Like a maybe pencil? A, a pencil. I love a good pencil. <laughs> I mean, it is a very appropriate. Number two, um, Ticonderoga. You guys remember those? Ooh. Those bad boys. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Rank the pencil blank. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I think uh if we make the erasers from Derek's actual brain matter, that there's would, only a little bit left. That would potentially matter. make it they compelling. Eraser shape like the baby, the alien baby. Oh, oh yeah. I'm thinking Ooh, what about a, a, a racer like shaped a as the main character, head. but you put it's a pencil topper. Oh, his head. His yeah. actual head, like he's a racer head as an eraser. It's an eraser. An eraser. Head. Oh wow. Eraser. Uh, how about this? A Pez dispenser with his head on it, filled with um, edible erasers. So instead of Pez coming out, you bite into an eraser. Uh, you had me at the Pez dispenser. Yeah, and then, and then it turned. I don't want to eat erasers. Yeah, I don't want to. What eat if they look dispenser. like erasers, but they still yeah. are Pez? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like a Pez, I like a Pez dispenser head yeah. thing with his yeah. head it on seems, top. Seems appropriate for the time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wait, okay. You know, okay. I don't. We don't. Uh, we could do the baby Pez dispenser. Ooh. Well, we can have multiple. We can have a candy. Let's just. Do that. <laughs> Drink. Let's just do a mystery pack. Their head and baby. Get what you get. You get what you get. You either get a racer head or you get or you get Henry or you get the baby, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. And for um 50% off, you can we'll throw in a pair of nipple magnets. Um 
Oh yeah. To go with every every purchase of your for Jason Pez X. Dispenser. Is that yeah. what Jason yeah. X? I love yeah. that. Yeah. Lucky you. I love it. Chink. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, basically it for this week. I am so excited that we got to talk about this. We skipped Dune, by the way, in '84. Okay. We did. We did Wild at Heart. We did the premiere of Twin Peaks. So we're slowly working our way through Lynch's entire filmography secretly a david lynch podcast yeah yeah see what's happening Uh, here (laughs) um but this was really fun and next week we're going to be um watching something from a director that has a similarly um disturbing reputation so david cronenberg um made a movie i think about zombies i don't even i don't know yet it's called rabbit and um he's made such movies as videodrome and the fly and he is basically the granddaddy of of body horror is how a lot of people might describe him the canadian daddy of body horror and these movies came out a week apart yeah basically that's crazy yeah um yeah all leading up to the big star wars (laughs) debut (laughs) what a what a runway um Cool. So yeah, let's uh, hear a little sneak preview of that and then get out of here. You can't trust your mother. You can't trust your best friend. You can't trust your neighbor. One minute, they're perfectly normal. The next, rabbit. Oh. Pray it doesn't happen to you. I actually cannot wait for this. Yeah. Rabbit. Rated R. Is this in black and white too? I don't think so. It is. Isn't is it? it? It is not. Oh, uh, it, okay. it, it is not. It's color. It's, it's, it's kind of like it, the hue and saturation is definitely. They've brought it's it. Like down. sepia. Not quite. Bit. Not quite. Um, all right. Well, that's rabid. And if you want to listen to that and stick around until we inevitably get through every David Lynch film, then you should subscribe <laughs> by searching new release on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you get podcasts, follow us on um, at New Release Podcast on Instagram. Ashley? That's a baby rap. 